What does Linen and Things, Dress Barn, Pier 1 Imports, and Models Sporting Goods all have in common beyond their retail downfall? They've all been acquisitions for a new little known investment firm called Retail E-Commerce Ventures or REV, which I'll utilize that acronym for simplicity in this video. So this investment fund was started last year, which might not throw off any like alarms and might not be worried about that too much, might not seem too odd, but you also consider that it's being run by an ex-NASA scientist that founded a dating site, also exited that dating site called Zooks, named Alex Mir, and also this guy. Here in my garage, just bought this uh, new Lamborghini here. It's fun to drive up here in the Hollywood Hills. But you know what I like a lot more than materialistic things? Knowledge. In fact, I'm a lot more proud of these seven new bookshelves that I had to get installed to hold 2,000 new books that I bought. So for those that might be living under the proverbial internet rock, that person is Ty Lopez, also known as here in my garage guy, that Vice News in I think 2015 called the internet's most hated self-help guru. And to be completely honest, I've cringed more times than I could count when I'm watching some of those pre-roll videos with Ty Lopez, also some of the YouTube videos or other kind of social media things that I've seen of him over the last couple of years. But that doesn't mean that I've knocked his hustle. I'm not the person he was going after. I'm not the person that he was trying to attract. But that being said, my opinion of Ty Lopez has changed dramatically since late last year. The reason surrounds the execution for Rev to scoop up some of the online assets and intellectual property of distressed but well-known retailers within bankruptcy court auctions or from some of the other private equity firms that couldn't make the economics work. The timing on this seems honestly very perfect if you think about this. You have you know closing physical stores at a record pace, retail bankruptcies happening at a record pace, and then e-commerce, regardless of COVID-19 happening or not, that adoption is happening at a record pace. But this is honestly not even a new idea for the leaders at Rev. They've eyed several investments before they ever purchased their first one in names like American Apparel, Barnes & Noble, and Forever 21. They just couldn't really make the deals make sense for them. Some of the price was a little bit too high. Some of the risk profiles were not at where they wanted it at. Maybe they needed more time to kind of flush out the idea to figure out how they can get some of the capitalization right on their end. But the company has utilized some of the due diligence to look at some of those deals to really nail down and focus squarely on on some of these distressed brick and mortar retail names and pay a steep discount for the intellectual property and some of the assets of high volume businesses with strong brand affinity. And instead of them trying to take all of the asset as is, both physical and digital, through negotiation, they skip all of the expensive physical real estate and opt only for use of the brand's assets, intellectual property, and to take it fully online. So what are these retail names that they have acquired over the last nine months or so? The first one that they did was Dress Barn. Dress Barn was founded in 1962. At the height of their business, they had around 800 locations 
also did around $1 billion in revenue. For those that might not have heard ever of Dress Barn, it is a women's value fashion brand that did close all of their stores in 2019. And Rev acquired the business in November of 2019 from the publicly held company that also owns a bunch of retail names, Essentia Retail Group. And since this has been executed and they've gotten some of their plans to market, they do have a little bit of sales data that the leaders of Rev have kind of shared publicly. They said in the first quarter, they had sales that were up 165% year over year from a digital perspective, and they're on track to hit $65 million in annual revenue this year. They said Dress Barn's website and apps drew 3.5 million unique monthly visitors in June and May sales were up 18%. Second retail brand that they acquired was Linen and Things. This retail name was founded in 1975. At the height of their business, they had around 600 stores and I saw that they had revenue somewhere around $2.7 billion. Not aware of this retail brand, they sold housewares and it went bankrupt in 2008 when they closed all of their stores. But it has been passed around a lot in the digital iteration of Linden and Things. First, it was owned by Hilco Consumer Capital and Gordon Brother Brands, which did reboot the website and then eventually sold that to a division of the Carlisle Group, which is now called Sequential Brand. That group also owns uh, and one, also Jessica Simpson's fashion brand, but they could not make that work as well. They closed the online store in 2018 and then Rev purchased the IP and assets sometime during 2020 quarter two, according to public filings with sequential brand groups. Third name they purchased and arguably probably the most expensive at this point was Pier One Imports. This was founded also in 1962. So a little bit of a connection to Dress Barn. At the height, Pier One Imports had a total store fleet of just over 1,300 stores and they had revenue of $1.9 billion. They filed bankruptcy in February of 2020 and then the IP and digital assets were purchased by Rev for $31 million. Currently, because it's just gonna happen, they are still going through some of the store closures. So some of those stores are still liquidating right now and the new website is not up and running yet. And the last retail name that was just announced I think last week was Models Sporting Goods. This is a very old name. Um, this, I'm not too familiar with it because in Ohio, I don't believe we had any of these sporting goods stores, but they opened up their first store. They were founded in 1889 and they had at their peak a little over 250 locations and had close to $800 million in revenue. They filed bankruptcy in March of 2020 and Rev purchased IP and digital assets for $3.7 million. So what's the operational model here for that Rev is kind of going for? If you strip out all of the real estate and the brick and mortar location staffing and all of those kind of cost store level costs, you can run a much more lean operation. And as an example, at the time when Dress Barn was running all of their locations, they had somewhere around 9,000 employees. Now, the same Dress Barn is run with 
30 people total. And while Rev does not necessarily divulge like their operating model or, or just kind of how they're structuring their operations, I'm assuming it's very similar to a lot of the other portfolio businesses. So all of the assets, all of the different individual retail brands will have some shared back office, non-generating staff. So what I'm talking about here is usually like accounting, finance, admin people, and then each will have a collection of brand people, um, maybe private label people or merchandisers, also digital marketers, and then leaders that are tasked to drive individual results at each one of those retail brands. And then above all of that, they'll have a C-suite that then will drive the overall portfolios, um, you know, key performance indicators, and, and making sure they're, they're returning capital to their investors. And if you've not heard of this concept, um, it is in a way kind of novel, kind of not novel, I guess you could say, in the sense that it's not novel is that there's a ton of different private equity firms or publicly traded portfolios that do buy up distressed retail brands, consumer brands. The difference between what Rev is doing is they have no real aspirations to take the whole cake. They only want the digital piece where a lot of these businesses, they want everything. They're, they're very much driven by ego and greed. They believe that they can run those businesses much better than those that failed before them. And they try to run all of it. On the flip side and why this is maybe a little bit different than a lot of these other brands, why this is a little bit more novel or unique is that Rev is only interested in the digital side of this. They are essentially running a digitally native vertical brand, but without having to build that brand from scratch, they're taking an existing brand that has some affinity, has some equity with consumers consumers and utilizing that to jumpstart it with all of their digital commerce and marketing capabilities. The great thing about these deals and why they're purchasing a lot of the IP and a lot of the digital assets is they get the customer list. They don't have to go out and acquire huge customer lists or a lot of customer data. They have that built in so they're able to just hit the ground running. And if you think about just digitally native startups or, or any business at this point, you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars a lot of times to acquire customers. So they're spending at times, you know, a couple million dollars, couple, you know, a couple dozen million dollars to acquire huge amounts of customer information that they're able to hit the ground running with. So you have to ask yourself with these customers, what could you end up doing with this business? Could you flip it and do a bunch of different things with it? The opportunities are kind of endless. If you really understand digital commerce, which Rev does, both of their founders, plus I'm assuming everybody within their team is early digital and thinking digital only in terms of the way they see the retail environment. Now that all sounds great and that sounds like they're definitely gonna hit this out of the park, but are there some downsides? I think Rev is gonna have to deal with the same type of like ego greed that these other kind of competitor, more traditional private equity firms deal with, but in a little bit different of a way. They're gonna have to overcome the overconfidence that they can reinvent every single business. They're gonna look at an asset and say, I can make this worthwhile. I can make a profit out of this. This is something I deal with constantly when I'm looking at different deals for clients and I'm looking at different businesses just for research purposes. I'm always thinking to myself, if I had the ability to tinker with this or work with this, I could definitely make it work at the right price. And I think that that's what we're going to have to deal with. Just to kind of think about this in terms of some of the businesses that they have already purchased, Dress Barn, very similar to like TJ Maxx in the sense that part of the allure of this like discount fashion was going to the store and kind of searching through bins for deals of merchandise that was very specific to each individual location. In the terms of like Pier 1 Imports, 
they're kind of similar with the sense of Costco, thinking about that, you know, if you go to the store and you walk through it, there's a bunch of new little knickknacks and cool things that you wouldn't really get to see unless you were in the store. So similar to uh, the example I just said, but in a little bit different way in terms of discovery. So they're gonna have to overcome these challenges. They're gonna have to think to themselves, how can we reinvent this in a digital sense, because if they're gonna get any power from that brand equity, brand affinity for people to go online, if they cannot replicate that in some way or some semblance of it, they are not gonna get the full benefit from that brand equity or that brand affinity. A good example that I've seen over the last several years is within the CPG industry is within the convenience kind of snacking category, just the convenience channel overall. Only now are you starting to see some traction within some of that like impulse buy categories and some of the pack sizes that are sold extremely well in physical convenience stores. That's happened because of two things. One, a lot of the website functionality and people have kind of reinvented that to make it resemble the existing convenience model so people do have some connection to the past. Secondly, you had on-demand fulfillment apps like GoPuff that has really kind of reinvented the idea of like what e-commerce in the convenience channel could look like. So what's next for Rev? Um, they are noting that there's probably gonna be somewhere around 50 possible acquisitions, different names that they could highlight in the near term. They utilize uh, a proprietary algorithm, they say, and looks at a variety of different data points, but they mostly are around assessing a target's propensity and optimization in an e-commerce sense, the brand awareness or affinity from customers and the quality or value of the assets available. As I mentioned before, they're not the only ones that are looking for these distressed retail assets. Um, they might be really one of the only ones that are kind of looking at it in a purely digital sense, but that does not mean that they don't have competition for these retail brand names from some of the existing ones that want to take the whole cake with the physical business. And even the biggest mall proprietor, Simon Group, has been active looking at some of these distressed retailers, purchasing them either before or during bankruptcy to make sure that their tenants will sustain operations in a physical sense so they can keep their malls packed, collect rent. So speed will be very important for Rev, especially if they start to prove out some of their model being highly successful. I think you'll have a lot of these other private equity groups switching some of their operating models and going after some of these assets in a digital only sense. And that's ultimately not good for somebody like Rev because that drives prices up. And because they're kind of new into the game, they don't have the same access to capital of some of these other existing long-standing private equity groups. So just kind of ending this on some final thoughts. While the execution is still thin for Rev, I'm greatly impressed by some of their early activity. This is really some investment fundamentals matched with some forward-leaning digital-only strategy. It's reimagining the world in terms of what we're gonna see for the future. And what I'm talking about here is the retail world when e-commerce is actually 50% or more of the total retail sales number. We're still pretty far from that point, but Rev is really kind of leaping forward, you know, five, seven, 10 years in the future. But by buying some of these distressed retail names that have brand equity, brand affinity with consumers, they're not forgetting about the past. They're not forgetting about that connection between brand and consumer and how powerful that could be. They're basically just pulling that totally towards the future, which 
from my perspective, seems like a pretty smart idea. 